Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. With me, as always, your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. And I'm your other co-host, Cam. And we are so happy you're joining us here. It is, if you're on the live stream, Monday, October 10th, 2022. And if you're not, then it is some other date in the future, whether you're watching on YouTube or the podcast or whatever. So mm. greetings to those of you in the future as well, Kirk. We always want to... Or the yes. past. Or the past. I'm not tracking. How, wait, How? Time machines will okay. have been invented, and people will go back in time when iPhones are destroyed and pick up an iPhone and say, I want to listen to this podcast about the movies of this generation. Okay, but then it wouldn't have been released, though. But because maybe. it's the past. <laughs> Unless maybe, maybe they downloaded it on their iPhone, and then they traveled back in time with their iPhone? That's right. That's exactly right. Okay. They actually right. found us, murdered us, took our phones. Why? And... Why do we have to get murdered in this scenario? I don't. I well, don't get that. I mean, we have a good amount of listeners, but they know we're going to be listening and downloading our own podcast. Okay, but why can't someone just bring their own device from the future instead of murdering us and stealing ours? That's that feels like worst case mm. scenario. Well, they're destroyed in the future, and they miss the nostalgia of having the phones and they're also a serial killer and they just are hungry for blood. Wow. That's yeah. a, that took a turn, Kirk. I don't, I don't like it, but I was just Happy trying Monday. to say, Hey to everybody who was listening and now, now we're dead. That's, that's where you're at. But when you think about it, aren't we already dead? <laughs> Cameron, the, the steady March of time always walks towards <laughs> us. Doesn't it? Kirk. That's, right. that's uh, what this movie that we're reviewing Later this week is all about death. Say, we're not reviewing Sadness. it. We're not reviewing it now, but we will. Um, so it'll be an interesting week here on the podcast uh, as this episode <laughs> is off to an interesting start. But we're glad you're here. We're going to do tonight, as we always do, on our stream and for our first podcast of the week. Uh, what's popping? Movie and TV news. And Kirk, there's not much. And no. actually, I think that's a good thing because I feel like. There are some things that we have been wanting to talk about, like how the box office is horrible right now and how there's all these good TV shows out right now and all these other things. But we really haven't gotten a chance to because there's been so much news. But now we get a a brief reprieve. Um, and, And there are other things. There are still news stories, but we do get a brief reprieve to talk about some of those things. So that is good. The other thing we're doing this week... Because the box office is in the toilet. I mean, nobody went to the movies this weekend. Like, it's not as bad as, like, two weeks ago bad, but it was bad. Like, we looked at the numbers. We, we usually look at the numbers and try to decide, like, if you remember, if you, if you listen to our podcast, like, way back, we always said, we're going we're gonna to try to review whatever is, like, the most buzzworthy thing that's happening that's we, that week, and that's what we always really try to do. And, I mean, there was nothing. And like nobody saw Amsterdam. Smile won the box office again. Um, it's been a bit of a mess. It's been a bit of a mess at the box office. So yeah, and there's just a graveyard over there. It is. So we're gonna get into full spooky season mood, and later this week drop our review of the Marvel, what they're calling a special presentation, uh, called Werewolf by Night, based off of the comic uh, of the same name. So we'll be getting all into all of that. Kirk, are you feeling? Are you feeling the spooky season vibes? Are you feeling Halloween-y yet? Yeah, I'm feeling pretty spooky. You know, my wife got the kids a new book called The Halloweener. It's about a dog who's nice. uh, going through some stuff around Halloween. It's kind of like Fra- Frankenweenie. Yeah, his mom makes fun of him for his, his body shape, so that's nice. And uh, there's also, uh, uh, yeah, just a number of horror movies that I'm just like to, counting back into my list and welcoming back into my life here in October. Yes, I've been getting the itch to start watching some of the horror films, and there are there are other good horror films. I mean, first of all, we've talked about it before. It's been a great year for horror, 2022. I think I thought it was going to be this amazing year of film. I think we talked about that like earlier this year. We both thought, like, look at the titles and how amazing a year of film it's going to be. And then, like, a lot of those haven't panned out. A lot of them just 
have fizzled and have not been very good. So we'll see what that ends up being. But one thing I do know is it's been a good year for horror. It has been a good year for horror. And I know that Barbarian, which is one that I did not get to see, comes to HBO Max late October. I think it's October 25th or something like that. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we got Werewolf by Night, you know, as a nice spooky season drop. There's a lot of good stuff coming out. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling the horror vibes. I'm ready to ready to dive into it. It's going to be a good time. It's exciting. Drop us uh, some notes, kiddos and adults. Let us know what spooky movies you like to watch around this time of year. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm a big fan of the slashers. I think that's where I tend to go with it. Um, but I, I'm going to try to branch out this season. I'm going to try to branch out. I'm becoming a little tougher as we've done this podcast and we've been forced to watch horror. You know, you and I are like, not like, yeah. we're not classic horror fans. We like, we wouldn't have described ourselves as horror fans heading into this podcast, but because we're watching everything now, um, we have watched a lot of horror. And so I feel like my skin is thickening and I'm becoming a little bit braver. So maybe this is the year that I really branch out and, and start watching some really spooky stuff. Yeah. This is the year that you should watch the phantasm series cam. Oh this is it. yes. Always the plug Kirk. And I will have to do it because at this point it's, it's becoming just rude that I haven't done it <laughs> because you're such a big fan of it. Uh, it's, it's like, you know, whatever, like low budget, fun kind of thing. And, and you've been plugging it. Like as long as I've known you, you're like, you have to watch this series and I haven't done it at this point. I think it's, it's frankly, it's disrespectful. I, I, I agree. I don't feel disrespected yet, but I think it's on the brink cam. Um, I will say there are just so many wonderful things, uh, starting with Angus Scrim, who plays the tall man with the, uh, the various plot holes in the entire series. Uh, the creator, director, producer, Don Coscarelli. Like, what a name. What a wow. name right there. There's a lot of good names going on in this series. Oh. That's that's always a good sign. That's a good sign. There's so many, so many wonderful, beautiful nuggets in there, and I cannot wait for you to watch it. We should do a, a, a live, uh, like a time lapse of your face, like <laughs> inches, inches. Like the Shia LaBeouf. Face. You know how, like, Shia LaBeouf watched all of his movies? in yeah. that theater as like a abstract modern art piece and he yes. live streamed it. That's what we need to do for, for, for many things. We should have done it with you watching Lord of the Rings for the first time. We need yes. to do it with me watching the phantasm series for the first time. I think we need to, we need to cash in on that for sure. Yes. Coming but, soon. Yeah. <laughs> we'll add, add it to the list. As soon as James blonde comes out, Kirk, we'll, uh, we'll get on that, that one. So balls in your court, but let's get into the movie news that we do have this week, which was there was one big one, and and we did tease it uh, last week because last week we got the poster, and this week we got the trailer, the teaser trailer for the Super Mario Brothers movie. And I should probably pop it up, Kirk, but here I'm gonna do it. It's late, it's awkward. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it because we're getting into what's popping. Just lay it in there. I'm glad you brought your hat again. Um, oh. <laughs> Even though you're trying to put it on over your headphones, which is a uh, that's never going to work. But let's right. check out this trailer, Kirk, because this was so they released this on a Nintendo Direct, which is oh. again this is Nintendo's like webinar that they do to get their fans hyped about all the things that are coming, and they released the first teaser for Nintendo. I can't remember what they're calling it, Nintendo Films something like their their company that they've spun up to support their films business has partnered with Illumination Animation Studio um, to produce this. And this is our very first look at it. So right away, getting uh, a good look at some of our favorites, Kamek, Koopa Troopas, and then Bowser himself, voiced by Jack Black. Um, I think one of the things we were all waiting for is sort of like, and, we, and you won't hear it here because they will mute our video if we play the audio, but, you know, would they talk? Because... Uh, you know, they have to, right? Because it's a movie, but we don't really hear these characters talk very often. Um, so we got to hear Jack Black. He has a good Bowser voice, I think. Um, and there's, it's very Bowsery. And then the, you know, the Mario like antics ensue. Uh, Kirk, we'll get into the Chris Pratt portion of this pretty heavily because that was the talk of the town. But I want to get your 
first get your opinion on this teaser, the aesthetic, the feel of it, the texture, all of it. As someone who I know is well-versed in the world of Mario, how are you feeling about uh, where it's at? I am feeling pretty good about this. I absolutely was floored when that lava just starts dripping onto the snow. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, I immediately was like out of breath because of how perfect and how rich the graphics and the colors are. Um, it doesn't do it justice. I don't think on this video to video, but if you pull it up on your, your latest Apple device, you're going to see everything. And it just feels like you are immediately inside this world. I absolutely love the look of this movie yeah and let's talk about character design too because i think that was another that was another piece people were waiting for you know the thing is these characters have been 3d animated for years now i mean it's for for a long time and so people have a, it's not like sonic where we didn't really know what he would look like in a movie because he you know mostly it was you know 2d versions or or lower fidelity 3d versions. And so the movie version, certainly a live action movie, we didn't really know what to expect. This is the way in theory that, I mean, in reality, this is the way that we have been seeing these characters for so long. So do you feel like the translation from game to film, uh, is smooth? It's a great question. I didn't have a problem with it, but my son, eight years old, immediately said when he saw Mario, nothing about his voice, but his face. He says his face looks different. And upon second viewing, I'm like, he's right. The face is shaped a little bit different from the Mario we know and love. Here's my take. I think it's intentional again. Mm -hmm. Just so... Let's talk about this. Let's talk about the voice. We did, we did the same thing last week. And my theory last week was that when we hear the voice that we were all anticipating, that it would be Chris Pratt's voice. Based on what we've got in this teaser, I think that's confirmed, right? Like, the Mario that we're getting is Chris Pratt. Maybe there's a... I, I could, almost couldn't tell. I watched this probably 30 times trying to tell. Maybe there's <laughs> just a hint of an accent... Certainly not like an Italian accent, um, but almost like a, I don't know. If there's anything, it's almost like a New Jersey Italian, like a Brooklyn yeah. accent. Yeah. But I, Greek? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I Like, I can't tell if it's, if it's intentional or if I'm just kind of like reading into it. But even if there is, it's essentially Chris Pratt's voice. Um which is what I what I predicted. So kudos to me. I'll I'll give myself the credit for that one. I did predict that. But my theory on that is this is some sort of like situation where it's a person inside of Mario's body cuz that first scene where he gets shot out of the pipe into the mushroom kingdom, he's like, "Where am I?" you know? And then Toad comes out and it's Keegan Michael Key making a Toad voice and telling him all the things we got to go. We're going to the mushroom kingdom. Why would Mario be confused about where he's at? Hmm. Do you think this is like a a space jam situation? Although not a space jam situation, but more of like an avatar situation where someone is thrusted into the world of the mushroom kingdom. And I do. I think it's meant to emulate like us, right? Like that we are Mario. And when we play it, we're in the game as the character but it's not actually like Mario is all of us in a way. Like sure he has his own voice and things like that, but we're the ones playing the character. Like do you think it's do you think it's something like that cuz I almost feel like it has to be. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I mean, the, the, right, there's all the variables, right? This could be um, here. Maybe we have Mario, you're an actual plumber going about his day and he ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom and he's hit his head and it's a dream world. Maybe it's all just a dream to him. Um, but mm. I, there's so yeah, many. Yeah, maybe this is Mario, like the actual Mario is a plumber, like you said, gets sucked into a warp pipe and ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom, so that's why he's confused. 
Yeah, and as he's walking to the house that he's about to fix, he sees some mushrooms on the ground. Uh, maybe there's a stuffed penguin in the way, and uh, maybe there's a, a dog in a Halloween costume with spikes on it. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, there's so many options. They could go like a more of a dream route. Uh, they could go more of like uh, uh, I don't know. Are, are there? There's lots of obviously magic in Super Mario Bros. So are there any yeah. like pure? Well, there's wizards, right? So what if there's a wizard uh, who has is trying to create something more. What's the wizard's name in Super Mario Bros? Is it Lemic or... Oh, uh, Kamek? Kamek, that's the one I'm thinking of. So maybe Kamek is the gateway to all of this, and he's seeking a villain, similar to... to, Oh, goodness, what's the Will Ferrell movie? And Jonah Hill... Megamind. Yeah, Megamind. <laughs> they, they need a, a superhero because they're all super villains. What if it's that, Cam? What if it's that? But I mean, Kamek is a bad guy too. Right, right. He wants to suck Mario in as their hero so they can defeat well, him I mean, and I, have some conflict. As far as I know, and I've played almost every every Mario game that's ever been released, almost, I would say. Um, I don't know that there's any ever any origin to Mario. You know, we, right. we never we're, we're never given an indication that he has existed outside of this world. We're just like this is Mario, this is where he lives. So, if they do that, I would almost be okay with it. But here's my other qualifier. If they do that, I'm not going to be okay with it being regular Chris Pratt's voice and regular Charlie Dade's voice for Mario and Luigi. I'm not going to be okay yeah. with that because if it really is like there's no gimmick, it's flat out like it's Mario, then it should be Mario's voice. It should be Mario's voice. Right. It's like, I don't feel like there's any way around that, right? Right. There has to be, whether you, whether it's uh, the, the Jumanji reboot where they jump into the video game yeah. and they are suddenly the characters, or this is an origin story, but by the end of it, maybe... <laughs> I don't know. He develops the accent. Why, Kirk? Why would he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> why why don't would know. he develop an Italian accent? <laughs> I don't. Well, the Mushroom Kingdom actually is in Italy. And the no, that's he unacceptable. Stays there. I will not accept that. I will not accept that if that is the route that they go. But so oh, like man. there were, I mean, I'm sure you saw it. There was tons of outrage around the voice online after this dropped. And I think that. Yeah. I will be among those people if there's no gimmick, but I'm like, I think there is. I think there's a gimmick. I think there's a very specific reason why Mario and perhaps also Luigi have normal, non-accented, non-Italian sounding voices. I think there must be a reason. Is there any possibility that in the next trailer, uh, it is an actual Mario voice that the whole point of the first one was to be controversial. And the next one is just kidding. I trolled you all. Here's my real Mario voice. No way. No way. Okay. I don't know. I I don't see. See, here's the thing. Here's, here's where this comes in. I don't see Nintendo doing that. Mm -hmm. I don't see Nintendo doing it. If it was just illumination, maybe, maybe, but I don't see Nintendo doing it. Nintendo, they're a proud company. They go about things a very specific way. They guard the rights to their characters quite jealously. And it's it's actually quite a surprise that we're at this point and we're getting this movie because they've made mistakes in the past with their characters that they don't want to repeat. And right. so I feel like they want this to be perfect. And so that's, that is, I think, probably more reason why this I feel like there's no gimmick because these characters, man, like... These are gold to Nintendo. There is like, this is this is their precious everything. So they're not gonna let it be. They're they're not gonna troll anybody with their characters. It's just not gonna happen. I feel like there there is something afoot here, and and my take is that there is going to be some sort of plot twist that explains why this Mario sounds the way that he does that, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the, this is meant to be our internal voice coming out of Mario as we play the game or something to that effect. I just, I don't see Nintendo doing it otherwise. 
What if he gets amnesia from a battle with Bowser, right? Because Toad is immediately saying, we've got to go, we've got to go. And he has forgotten his identity. That's why that's not the traditional Mario voice. And by the end of it, it returns with his full memories. Huh? Huh? I don't know about that. Amnesia is never a good plot device, (laughs) in my opinion. Unless, well, no, never. That's like a soap opera (laughs) plot device. And... (laughs) Your point, the thing that you just brought up makes me feel even more like the fact that he comes out of the pipe and immediately it's like Toad, Toad's there and it's like, we got to go. How many Mario games have started like that? Where it's like, true, you start the game and it's like, whatever character, usually Toad, maybe, you know, maybe Peach, depending on the scenario is like, we have to do X, Y, Z because Bowser, you know, whatever, picked up the Mushroom King, you know, Princess Peach's castle and hauled it off in his airship or whatever. Like right, there has to be, right. that makes me feel even more like, what, what I keep thinking of is, you remember Wreck-It Ralph, that scene yeah. where uh, they're playing Hero's Duty and the player uh, is like the person who's playing in the arcade, their person is just like a character with like a screen on it and all the other characters, like the NPCs are talking to mm-hmm. it. That's what I'm picturing in my mind every time I think about this. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like, it's like some twist on that concept. Okay. Okay. But I it could be you. dead wrong. And, and and I will be the first to say that I will not accept Chris Pratt's Mario voice. If there's no gimmick attached to it, that, that adequately explains why it doesn't sound like Mario. Chris Pratt in a VR headset gets electrocuted and suddenly catapulted into the game as Mario. I think that's what we've established. There we go. I like it. That's like, that's <laughs> Jumanji, right? Like that's, right. that's Jumanji sucked into the game. I, I think that that works for me. That would work. Yeah. But I agree with you, your thoughts on the aesthetic. I think it looks oh. chef's kiss. I think it's beautiful. I think it's absolutely lovely. And with illumination, I mean, my kids have been watching the Minions movies like on repeat <laughs> recently. Yeah. So maybe I have a bit of a soft spot for Illumination right now. But I feel like with them, the question is never, will their animation look good? I always like their animation. I think their animation looks great. Now, their ability to put out a thoughtful children's movie is a lot more questionable, right? At least I think so. I, I like. I, I didn't like Secret Life of Pets. I'm not like the biggest fans of this fan of the sing movies though. My wife likes them and I know other people who really enjoy them. Um, Despicable me is great, but the sequels, blah, yeah. And minions is whatever. So I am more worried about their ability to put together a nice, well done kids movie rather than the animation. Cause the animation looks great. Right, because if this doesn't do well, then of course Epic Universe's new Universal Park is going to suffer a little bit, just a little bit. I mean, people are still going to go. Great point. This this is the promo for it right here. This is. This is a huge part of that strategy. Has to be, right? Like, they're probably like, this is probably part of the deal. It's like, hey, you give us a, a, you know, you want your Mario Park, which I think Nintendo probably wanted more than the movie, if I had to guess. They're like, you got to give us a movie to build on um, so that we can build out a a film universe so that it makes sense within the Universal catalog. I think this is high stakes for Universal. They need this to work. They need this to work. Um, Yes. We'll see if it does. We'll see if it does. All right. Um, Let's move on to our next topic of discussion. Let's talk about Keanu Reeves. And this okay. uh, this series that he's in, The Devil in the White City, um, it's not moving forward, Kirk. He's exiting. The, the show is going on, but it will go on without Keanu. And this is this hurts, right? Because this was like, this project has been in limbo forever. And it was going to be a movie, and it was going to star Leo. And then it was like, no, it's going to be executive produced by Leo and Marty, Marty Scorsese. And then it was oh, now it's a TV series for Hulu, and now Keanu's going to star in it, which will be his first TV role, and now he's gone. What, I mean, where are you at on this, Kirk? I'm I'm pretty heartbroken. I'm just going to be so completely honest here. Yeah. I was just telling some new friends about how much I love Leo. I love his entire catalog, except for like two things. And I'm worried 
that this is going to be the third thing, okay? Because <laughs> this thing was supposed to be an absolute home run, and now it is just turning into uh, just this messy, uh, just uh, logistical casting mess, right? I'm scared. I'm very scared for this. Yeah, I want to know why this is happening. Like, I want to yes. know why this project's been in limbo for so long. It's it's weird, too, because it's like Leo and Martin Scorsese are still in, which, like, right. is crazy because it's been going on forever. And Leo's not even starring in the thing anymore. Um, but, like, they just announced the Keanu thing how long ago? Like, a couple months mm-hmm. ago? Like Maybe. two months, right? It was it was recent, and now he's already out. I don't know. I, I I'm kind of with you. I think I think it's bad news bears. I think a lot of this happens with a lot of projects, right? Like there are some projects that start like ten years before they are released, and they the script gets written, and people either feel mediocre about it or they hate it. It gets rewritten. They're like, "Whoa, what's this story?" Uh, Scripts get completely thrown out the window, but they keep the title. There's all these sorts of things that we don't see. And the hyper vigilance of the media today, and I guess we're guilty of this a little bit, uh, (laughs) at least the people with immediate connections are like, wow, look at this, look at that, look at that. And we don't get a chance to let the piece form itself and breathe. But there's so many red flags that I'm seeing. I'm actually alarmed with this. Normally I'm like, I think they'll work it out, but this I'm concerned about because it's, it's, it's a strong property, uh, a strong narrative. It's a popular, uh, interest, true crime, uh, serial killer narrative, and it cannot be written wrong. Otherwise it's going to be devastating. Yeah, I think you're right. I think part of this is like, we live in, in exactly what you're talking about. This, this constant feedback loop of like, we know everything as soon as it happens. People, there are people whose job, whose job it is to scrape for information, to, to squeeze information out of industry sources and to tell the story that we probably wouldn't have even heard years ago. Like, like 15 years ago, it'd just be like, Hey, or probably a little bit longer ago, like pre-internet. We, we have this show come out and you find out like, Oh, it's got Keanu Reeves, whatever you watch the show. And then you go on IMDb like, or read a newspaper article later. That's like, this show took 15 years to make. And it was originally going to be a movie. And we were like, we'd be like, Whoa, that's crazy. But now we know all of that as it's happening. And so it, it puts all this info into our head that we start to judge things before they're even real. It's uh, right. It's a mess, but all that being said, I am worried. <laughs> <laughs> I am judging it, and I am concerned. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. But that's that's definitely one we're going to be keeping an eye on. Um, I want to I want to go to this because in two weeks, you know, we're going to have another superhero movie in the box office, and the box office has been struggling uh, as superhero movies, and you know the Top Gun Mavericks, the other big blockbuster staples of this year have left the box office. The box office has struggled and things that used to be able to carry the box office, like things like don't worry, darling in Amsterdam with, you know, directors that are popular and cast lists that are stuffed with stars um, are getting killed. They're getting killed at the box office and not in a small way. Like, Amsterdam could lose a hundred million dollars like that, like that kind of way. Like nobody saw that movie this weekend, Kirk. Nobody. Not Um, a soul. Not a soul. Seriously. It was, it was bad, bad. Um, And I have to think part of that reason, and I want to gut check this with you because we've talked about it before. Part of that reason is that both of those movies had poor middling to poor reviews prior to their release. So the way that Rotten Tomatoes does it nowadays, and this has not always been the case, is that there is a moratorium that I guess the studio negotiates. I need to look into more how that works, but there is a moratorium out there where the studio says, like, you can't release date, you can't release reviews until X date um, because the reviews are meant to promote the film. Well, the problem is Rotten Tomatoes is the go-to source for movie reviews. That's not even arguable everybody 
uses Rotten Tomatoes to decide if they think a movie is going to be good or not. Um, and those reviews usually come out the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday prior to the movie releases. I think if you don't have that, I think if the reviews come out, I don't know, Monday, like opening weekends are going to be better. I think a lot of people who would have gone and seen this movie checked Rotten Tomatoes, saw the score, speaking specifically to Amsterdam and probably Don't Worry Darling too. They checked the score, saw that it wasn't an Oscar contender and said, eh, I'll pass. What are your thoughts? Oh, the exact same. The exact same. There, I don't know when the shift happened. That would be a really interesting thing to track down as well. Because if you're gearing up to spend your hard-earned money toward an art form that you love, you want to escape. You don't want to escape and be let down right. or bored or annoyed. You know, you want to go see something that you have been watching be, be promoted. You've seen your favorite actors on the screen and you're like, yes, I'm going to go cry or laugh or both at that. And then you see these reviews. Well, they skew you. How often have you watched a movie that you disagree with with the critics now rotten tomatoes because it has the critic score and the audience score depending on the type of person that you are you might fall in one category or the other and it kind it can switch per movie that is also true it can be unique per movie per your particular interests but it skews you and deters you because you say 15 percent on rotten tomatoes right bye yeah no one's going to do that knowing that the general public dislikes that movie so we absolutely need a later release date for all of these critic reviews both on rotten tomatoes and if anyone gets a screener there's so many more people that get early access to movies now more than ever before those people should not be allowed to give their opinion yet legally i think there needs to be what as you said a moratorium a delay in giving those scores yeah and and i don't really see the it's a risky marketing strategy to allow reviews to come out first because if your movie sucks, then that that's negative marketing. That's like, yes, it's like spending negative money against your movie. <laughs> and Amsterdam was a movie that I felt like was adequately marketed for what it was. Like they were specifically targeting people like us, people who know who David O. Russell is, people who are familiar with his work, want to see all the Academy Award nominees, enjoy Christian Bale and Margot Robbie and John David Washington. You know, they were specifically targeting those people. And, you know, those ads reached me many times, and I think they reached others. But, you know, we we use, for our podcast, we use the box office to determine what we were going to see. The box office didn't pan out. But I think a lot of other people like us used Rotten Tomatoes and said, I'm not going to see that movie. And I think that it is a net negative on the box office. I think there was a period of time, a long period of time where Rotten Tomatoes was a net positive on the box office because I felt like it put more pressure on studios to make good movies and more good movies started to come out. And so it was good because it was like, Oh, there's so many good things in theaters. But then there's times like these where like the economy's down, people don't have as much money in their pockets and studios can only green light certain projects because they don't have the same money that they used to pre COVID. And now if their project's not good and the reviews suck for it, people aren't going to go see it and it's going to tank. So, right. I don't know, man, I, I don't see any problem with holding reviews. And if I was a studio executive, particularly one who backed Amsterdam or whatever, I'd be like, we gotta, we gotta stop agreeing to, allow reviews to be posted on our movies or stop sending out screeners. Like I'm yeah. sorry. Like it's hurting. It's hurting our business. Yeah. Yeah. It's very easy to get the word out now, but consequently if those particular critics don't like the movie for X, Y, Z reason, it's not They're not the actual targeted audience because every target audience per movie is a little bit different, sometimes extremely different. Then it's not fair that that person, uh, let's, let's call it a 95 year old man going to see fast and the furious 19. Like he's not going to give it a good score. It's going to be too loud. It's going to be too fast. It's going to be, dare I say too furious for him. So this, this is the problem with with the release of these uh, and 
I don't know. We need, again, we have all the solutions and I don't understand why people aren't listening to our excellent advice, Cameron. They spend, I mean, we've been to some of these screenings, these advanced screenings. They spend a lot of money. They bring swag. They bring, you know, they have a whole team of people working the event. Um, They spend a lot of money trying to butter people up and giving them free tickets to see their movie only for them to turn around and do their job, which is to give an honest, real review of something. Um, And it, it, a lot of times, you know, like, it works out to their detriment. I think Jurassic World Dominion would have done better if people had seen that the reviews weren't so bad because a lot of people skipped the second one because reviews were bad. And if you skip the second one, maybe you were going to come back for the third until you saw that it had a terrible score on Rotten Tomatoes and then you're like, eh, you know what? I think I'll pass. Yeah, um, an even worse score. <laughs> right, right, right. So something has to be figured out because I feel like Obviously, theaters are in danger. Everybody knows that. Theaters are are not safe for, given the current economic climate and the comp- competitive climate um, within content. And this is putting them at risk. This is putting the industry at risk. So it's a concern. It's a concern. But the next big superhero movie to reach uh, theaters, Kirk, because those are the kinds of things that people do go see at theaters. But the next big one that comes out is uh, black Adam. It'll be coming out October 21st. And the rock has been doing, uh, you know, the rock Dwayne Johnson has been doing his rounds, um, press junkets and interviews and things like that. And one theme has continued to come up mostly because he's being asked about it, but I will say he doesn't shy away from the questions. And that is about, not Black Adam himself, but actually another superhero, Kirk. Uh, one by the name of Clark Kent, <clears throat> Mr. Superman. <laughs> yes. That's right. He keeps getting asked about Superman, and people are wondering, will Black Adam fight Superman? And uh, Dwayne Johnson is basically not saying no, not saying yes, but he's not saying no either um he was he did a an interview and i can't remember who it was with i apologize i had it in my notes earlier but it is not here now but he basically said black adam is the you know the most powerful being on earth but the most powerful being in the universe has been on the sidelines for too long so rumors have been circulating um for a number of reasons and we don't need to get into all of them because that that means diving into the depths of the internet, which is a deep and dark place. But um, rumors have been circulating for a lot of reasons that Superman and maybe even perhaps Henry Cavill Superman may be appearing post credits or late in the movie Black Adam. Kirk, how do you, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like this is happening? Do you feel like you want it to happen? And do you want it to be Henry Cavill? Uh, yes to all of your questions. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I don't believe we need another actor to come in and play Superman again at this moment in time. When Henry Cavill did a wonderful job, it just wasn't allowed to flourish because of the uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for? The uh, uh the not so great or terrible <laughs> Justice League subsequent consequential movies. Uh so I really think this is time for him to to rise to the occasion like he did in Man of Steel and can you imagine like these you know Rock the Rock Dwayne Johnson did the same thing. Dwayne Johnson is a self-made muscle giant guy, right? And Henry Cavill also did the same thing. Pure muscle building, no steroids, just straight uh, genetics and uh, planned uh, nutrition and and all this crazy stuff that I can't do probably ever. And to imagine those two uh, just giant men uh, fighting off against one another, that paints the picture. That gives you an incredible visual, an incredible uh, story to tell between between this this conflict. Uh, and who knows? Maybe they'll fight with each other at times and, and fight against each other. But I'm absolutely down for this pairing. Yeah, it's tough, man. I, I mean, here, here's the thing: Superman and Batman are DC. Batman and Superman. That's 
that is DC Comics. Like they, in the same way that Spider Man is Marvel, those two probably Batman more so than Superman. Ultimately, those two are DC Comics, and it just feels weird to have all these DC movies coming out, and nobody knows what the heck is going on with Superman. We know what's going on with Batman. Maybe not within their whatever you want to call it extended universe, but Batman has a trilogy of films that's going off. It appears to be going quite swimmingly. They're building a whole universe around it. There's going to be spinoff shows. There's going to be multiple films. The first film was amazing. Um, it, they're good, but Superman is just floating out in nothing, and he's you know he's the other big ticket, and we have no idea what's happening with this character. So I, from that perspective, I'm like absolutely yes. Why are we even? making a black Adam movie if nobody knows what's happening with Superman. So we need to get that question answered ASAP. If not in this movie, certainly in Shazam and whatever else is coming from that, that production house. But the Henry Cavill thing, I like him and I like his Superman, but I hate the DCEU. I hate, I hate it. I, I don't. Do you need a separation uh, of actor to like have a clean slate? Yes, okay. I think I do because I need them to show me that we're we're moving away from this. Which I guess they're not because they've got the Shazam movie, they've got the Aquaman movie, they've got this Black Adam movie, which is obviously tied to Shazam. So maybe I just need to let it go. They've also got the Flash, which still has Ezra Miller in it and is still going to have ties to the to the DCEU. So maybe it, it just continues to live on and Henry Cavill still is Superman. Maybe they find a way to turn that around, but I just like, there's so much damage done there. Do you have, or have you had a chance to think about who you would want as Clark Kent slash Superman? No pressure. If you don't have an answer, I don't, I don't, I just, I just want this current connected film situation to end. I Could really do want it to be over. Superimpose your face over Henry Cavill's because you already have the hair and you yeah. have the height. I think it's an easy fit. I, I think it's an easy fit. I don't have the the dimple in my chin though. You know, his jawline. Oh, it's line, just hidden by your it's just your beard. Just <laughs> the, you're there. You don't even realize it. Listen. <laughs> I I can't propose how to how to fix this. I only know that I want all of those older DC EU movies to fade out of my memory. I want them, I want them to be erased. And I thought that the flash would be where they do that. Remember we talked about it. We were like, Oh my gosh, they're going to do flashpoint and they're going to use that to fix the timeline. It's perfect. And then there was the Ezra Miller deal. And now it's like, well, I don't want to continue watching movies with that weirdo. And also like, I don't even like their version of the flash. So, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this, but in the rewrite, <laughs> they don't tell Ezra Miller, but they just have someone put a mask on to look like the Ezra Miller flash. Okay. And they kill Ezra Miller's the flash. In, they should. In, in, no, in they really movie. should. Like they should do reshoots. Right. And change the ending to have this Barry Allen replaced with a different Barry Allen. I think there's plenty of plot wise ways to, to, to do that. I think you could easily do that. Yep. You just cast Ezra Miller's The Flash into a pit of lava, and the other one that was teaming up with him for the whole movie, then he just <laughs> he takes off like Grant Gustin, just like I guess it's my responsibility now. You can and even you off. can even you know you can negotiate like hey you get to go out like a champ you get to right. you get to whatever there's right. there's a giant beam that's gonna close in and kill everybody and you get to take the blow like right. I'm cool with that. That's fine. Your face, cinematic history that changes the face of the DCEU. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. So, like, would I would I like Superman back? 1,000%. Do I want it to be Henry Cavill? Sure, but I, I, I need more answers on what's happening with the DCEU, and I don't want it to be, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing because what they're doing sucks. So that's where I'm at. That's where I'm at with that. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple of other quick things before we get out of here. So first of all, today's a great anniversary in film history. Kill Bill Volume 1 came out 
on this day, as well as Whiplash. Whiplash um, was released eight years ago today, which is one of my top four on Letterboxd. So it's a, that's a pretty big deal. And if you don't follow me on Letterboxd, here's a shameless plug to go ahead and do that. Follow Kirk as well. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what Letterboxd is, look it up, and then you can follow us. Win, win, win. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got... The, the, I found this Twitter account over the weekend that's just every, um, every time the ninth of any month happens, they uh, tweet that clip from the Big Lebowski where the landlord is like, you know, tomorrow's already the 10th. <laughs> that. And yes. so today is the 10th for anybody who needs to pay their rent. That's the other reason this is significant <laughs> in uh, in movie history. But I just figured I would call that. I think it's called like already the 10th or something like that. It's really <laughs> stupid. Um, but it's also awesome. And uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was just what's going on this week. What's, what's coming out and what's happening. Um, so Enola Holmes 2, remember that one? Speaking of Henry Cavill, the trailer oh. drops tomorrow. So if you're listening to this in podcast form, the trailer might be out. Uh, it comes out tomorrow, which is Tuesday, October 11th. So excited about that. Um, we've got the finale of The Rings of Power coming out this week, which has already been viewed, Kirk, by 100 million Amazon Prime subscribers. Can you believe that? Holy That's a lot of people. Cow. That's like how many people watch the Super Bowl. A hundred million. Yeah. And is that... I'm interested in the other metrics of it. Yes. How many have they collectively watched past episode one and all that? But like just to get a hundred million pairs of eyes on it, that's yeah. insane. It's insane, that's insane, right? That's really big. Um, and I... I feel like I would be anomalous data in that data set because I have watched the first two episodes, but then I stopped because I was like, I want to binge this. I just want to tear yes. through it. So I'm going to wait. Um, so I've been, I've been staying away from the spoilers and, and all of that. But um, I think there are a lot of people who are stu- still in that camp of like, um, I haven't started it. I'm going to go check it out once it's all dropped. Kirk, you're in that boat. Um, Guilty. But yeah, a hundred million is, is more than I thought. And it's more than, the Game of Thrones spinoff is getting not that it's a competition between those two. It's just easy to compare because they're because of what they are. They're both fantasy series. They both came out around the same time. They're both linked to a larger thing that people are avid fans of. So that is that's exciting. Um, new episodes of Andor and She Hulk coming out this week. Andor is sick. Andor is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, I've only watched a couple episodes of it. I think the first two. And I can't wait. Like I, I, I'm, I'm not really like. I don't feel the need to keep up with it week to week. But I loved what I saw from the first two episodes. Have you checked that show out yet? I started watching it on my iPad, and I immediately said, "No, this is not a show or a movie that I could do chores with. I need to put yes. this on my TV, get my Philips Hue backlight going, and just, just be blown away." Like so, I haven't continued i'm still on episode one and i'm about to blow through that series i'm ready i totally agree that's the same reason i'm only two episodes in because i'm like i want to be totally devoted to it and so Mm -hmm. if i i want to be in a place where like i want there to be three or four episodes that i can rip through so i'm kind of letting it build so that i can take big chunks out of it but i think it's like 12 episodes this season so there's going to be a lot of good andor content but man the first two episodes i thought beautiful I love it. Um, So excited for more of that. Uh, We've got a couple other new trailers, but we don't have time for those today. So anything else, Kirk, anything else that that we're missing? I think we've covered it all. I just, uh, just want to say, don't look at the scores of Mm. rotten tomatoes. This is just a reminder. Don't, yes, don't if it's opening weekend Don't and just go for it. Just go for it. If you feel like you want to see the movie, that's a good point, Kirk. If, if you if you want to see the movie before you know what the score is, just don't go see it. I mean, just, just sorry, don't go see the score. Go see the movie. Right, see the right. movie. See the movie. Because I think it's, there have been times where I have watched, I mean, it's, it's rare, but it does happen, where you see a movie that's got like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes, and you're like, I liked that. I enjoyed right. it. Um, it happens to me somewhat often. So that's why I always like to go see it. And I won't let, Rotten Tomatoes scores deter me, but I understand why people do. Um, 
But yeah, to your point, Kirk, just just go see the movie. Just go see it and then check the score and see if you agree with it. So mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. all we got. We will be back later this week on Thursday with our review of Werewolf by Night. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, we're going to be talking spoilers in that review. So go watch it. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's only an hour long. It's actually a television special and not a movie. So it's a little bit shorter. You don't have to take up too much time out of your day. Um, and you'll find out on Thursday whether or not we thought it was good. But until that time, we're going to leave you with the beautiful symphonic sounds of Rhetoric, who created our original music. And of course, we have to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs. We will see you guys on Thursday for our review of Werewolf by Night. Talk to you then.